It's a dangerous thing to give freedom to an evangelist. <laughs> well, it's always a privilege to come to Oxford and enjoy uh, my British friends. And especially with Steve, it's been really amazing. He gave such a good introduction that I forgot my message. <laughs> First of all, I was sitting there and I thought, man, it's before I could preach, he's sending half of the church out. What is he doing? <laughs> but for those of you who are here, thank God. We're going to celebrate God's goodness. Well, I don't come here as a specialist who knows the best in the field. But I do definitely come as a person who knows how to depend on God so that the needs of people can be met. And I think my greatest strength is not in having something, but my greatest strength is in knowing someone who can meet it. And what I do is simply introduce this person called Jesus to the person in need. And then it is Jesus who supplies their need and I get free publicity, I get good food, I get good offerings, I get everything just as a bonus. It is my Christ who does it all. I just get the benefits of it all. Amen? So I'm going to just, I'm not going to talk about the techniques of evangelism because I'm not aware of any of those. (laughs) But I'm going to talk to you about the person of Christ. And if you know how to hang around him, you will become a good evangelist. Jesus said, very simple statement, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The key is in following Jesus accurately. Not following emotions. Most of the men of God, when they want to do the work of God, they are caught up in emotion. I don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with your emotion or my emotion. One day God said to Moses, speak to the rock. The man was so angry, he took his rod and hit it. His emotions was not right, but water still came out. Miracles still happened. Needs of people were still met. One thing I know, my God is bigger than my emotions. One thing I know, my God is able to do more than what I can think or even imagine or even ask. Amen? So this morning... Let's pray and ask Lord, Lord open our hearts so that we will know how to depend on you. Amen? Father, you know without you I can do nothing but with you it's going to be fun. So I invite you Lord to introduce yourself the way you are in Jesus name. Amen. Alright. You know I've been uh, told that the church has been having an interesting time of studying Acts of Apostle. It's wonderful to be informed of what God did in those days through them. But if you notice, other of the New Testament writings that um, are the letters to the church always ends with benediction. They always talk about the love of God, grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of Holy Spirit be with you. And there is this word that comes, Amen. Right? But Acts of Apostle does not end like that. There is no benediction to Acts of Apostle. Why? Because the Acts never finished. I believe Acts of Apostle is still continuing in our generation. I believe that God is still at work in our generation. 
I believe that every gift that God gave to the body of Christ did not disappear. It is still available to the body of Christ. Amen. Why? One more thing I believe about a gift is you cannot earn it. If you earn it, it becomes wages. Right? You don't have to afford it. If you can afford it, then there will be somebody who cannot afford it. Right? Basically, the gift of God is something that you don't have to work for. Right? The gift does not depend on the receiver. The gifts depend on the giver. It originates from the heart of a giver. Right? So on foundation level, when we understand that the gifts and the call of God that comes upon my life is not something that I deserve, it's not something that I earn, it is not something that I qualify for, it is not something that I can fast and pray and emotionally blackmail God to give me. You're getting it? It is not about emotionally blackmailing, like I have got two boys, so I understand what emotionally blackmail means. I am not eating this food until you give me a Spider-Man. I don't know how it works in Oxford, but I'm sure it works the same. Yes, Steve? (laughs) Yeah, gifts are important. But I want you to understand, you can ask for a gift because Bible encourages. You can seek for a gift because Bible encourages. Paul says, earnestly desire for spiritual gifts. Right? What does he say? Earnestly desire for a spiritual gift. Now please understand about gift. All the gifts are free gifts. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, every gift of God is free. You don't have to earn it. Say, you don't have to earn it. It is preordained for you. It is paid for you. It's got your name tag on it. It's, it's got your name tag on it. The parcel is already ready. But only problem is this. Please understand. When my son is four year old, I can give him a toy car, not a real car. But when he is mature enough, I give him a real car. Right? Please understand, gifts are free. Gifts are more of a character issue than a qualification issue, than anything else. Please understand, if God can trust you with the measure he trusted Jesus, you can have the full measure that Jesus had. The point is, if we are faithful in little, God will give us more. Nobody starts with big. We all have to start with what little we know. We put it into practice. We put it into good use. And then God sees, all right, he's doing good. He gives it more. He gives us more. He gives us more. Today, as pastor said that, you know what? In my meetings, I'm seeing tens of thousands of people coming. It did not start with tens and thousands of people. Today, every month, I'm speaking to thousands. Different countries. It did not start like that. You know how it started? In the school. 
telling my fellow student that Jesus loves me. It started to telling my teacher, my Jesus answers my prayer. He forgave my sin. He can do it to you. When, when one day I met my principal, I said, principal, are you saved? I was just eight years old. She said, what? He said, if you don't know Jesus, you are going to hell. She said, what? You need to repent. <laughs> My principal said, oh, what's the phone number of your dad? I gave phone number. He called, you need to come and see your son is preacher. He's already preaching me. <laughs> but I want you to know this. It starts with simple things. Simple things. And then, we never lose the simplicity of talking about the one we love. Amen? Preaching the gospel is nothing but talking about the one you love the most. When you know whom you love the most, you can freely talk about him. Whatever you like, if you have a very good BMW car, you can carry on talking about that car to anybody. You're not intimidated. If you have a brilliant Prada shoe, you carry on going talking about it. If you, my friend is wearing Jimmy Choo, no matter what happens, he'll go with his Jimmy Choo. <laughs> so what happens? What we love, we begin to talk about it. We begin to show it. We begin to display it. Whatever we love. The point is, if we love Jesus, our ministry will be born out of that love. That's why Bible says, love of God constrains us to do it. There's only one foundation for the ministry. It is not Bible college. It is not good salary. It is not crowds. It is not popularity. It is your love for Christ that compels you to do it. One day, Jesus, after resurrection, meets his disciples just to discover they have gone back to fishing. In John chapter 21. Then he makes breakfast for them. And Peter comes. First writing to Jesus. They are sitting there. All the disciples come around. And then Jesus quietly asks one question to Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Very interesting question. What is Jesus asking him? Do you love me more than these? Jesus, uh, Peter says, yes Lord, I love you. And then next thing Jesus says, feed my sheep. Then again, Jesus, after a while, asked him, Peter, do you really love me more than these? Interesting fact is not just this, Jesus asking, do you love me? Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these? That phrase is important. He is comparing the love of Peter with other disciples' love. And he's saying, do you love me more than these? The moment that he says, yes, he says, okay, take care of my sheep. In other words, what is Jesus saying? Do you love me more than other believers? The moment you say, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, all right, take care of my ministry. Do you love me more than other pastors? Oh, yes, Lord. All right, take the anointing. Take the ministry. Ministry is for the people who love God more than others. Turn to your neighbor and say, build your ministry on this principle. You know what? You, you don't go and preach to somebody because you want to see them saved. 
Listen very carefully. You don't go and preach to somebody because you want to prove that your God is bigger than their belief system. You don't go there with a competition spirit, but you go simply because you love your God so much that you understand his heart is aching without this man being found. And to bring comfort to his heart, you go and do anything you can possibly to win a soul. Amen? Then you are not ashamed of the gospel. One of the things of a dignified mind is it is ashamed of a gospel. Praise God. Dignity is not the fruit of Holy Spirit. I don't know why we cherish it so much. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to be wild for Jesus. We will, we will have a lot of respect for radicals in Christ when we go up to heaven. Every person in the scripture who has been radical is celebrated today. Amen? People who have not been radical in Christ are tolerated. But people who are radical in Christ are always celebrated. My encouragement to you is that God is going to make you radical for Christ. Now for today's message... I had two main thoughts running to me. First thing Lord said to me <clears throat> was to share my testimony with you all. So I'm going to share first part of my testimony and then we're going to pray for each other. And then second part would be how to, you know, it, first part is how to get Jesus in your life. Second part is how to get Jesus out of your life. So today's message is called in and out. <laughs> You're getting it? It is easy to get Jesus in. It is difficult to get him out. What do I mean by that? When I meet somebody, do my life reflect and represent Jesus accurately that they identify my life saying, this guy is Christian. See, when disciples were in a city called Antioch, people examined their life and the local people of that land said, you know what? These men are Christian. What does that word mean, Christian? It means Christ stays in them. How is it that they recognized who is inside of them? Is because they knew how to take this who stays inside, outside. Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you will become streams of living water. Yeah? And what will happen? The streams of living water will flow out of you. From your inmost being, what will happen? Rivers will flow. From where does river flow? Tell me, from where? From you. From where? From inside of you. Can you be a little louder? From where? Inside of? No, 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 from pastor. Only from evangelist. Only from men of God. I want you to know this. Biblical promises are for every one of us. And they say, if we believe on the promise of the word, the rivers will flow from inside of us. You know, amazingly, he did not say bottles will flow. He did not just say one liter. He said, rivers will flow. Hmm? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know you are a river carrier? But most of the people have put a dam on that river. 
Most of the people have put a dam on that river and today I pray that God will help us to unleash that dam. Because if the church only understands that now flow of Holy Spirit is not going to come from up, it's going to go from inside out. When we say, come Holy Spirit, we are looking up. No, no, no. Come Holy Spirit. It's coming from inside out. The spirit of truth that is with you shall be in you. And that spirit of truth which is in you shall be upon you. That's what Bible says. From inside that overpowering, enabling spirit of God comes upon us. And then things begin to change. So I will start with my testimony. One fine day, it so happened that my doorbell rang. I went down, opened up the door. I was so shocked and surprised to see Jesus standing at the door. He was ringing the door, doorbell. I was so happy. I gladly received him into my house. He came in. I said, Lord, how is it that today you have come to my house? He said, I've come to be with you. I want to stay with you. I said, great. Lord, you know what? On my first floor, I've got a guest room. And it is the best room. Every time I go to UK, I bring something imported and I keep it in that room. It's brilliant room, Lord. It's fantastic. It's the best room in my whole house. Why don't you take that room for you? I will give that room to you. So I lead Jesus on the first floor and I give him that best room. Now Jesus is in my house. I am happy. He is happy. Things are going on great. One fine day it so happened that early morning again doorbell rang. I went down. I opened up the door. The moment I opened up the door, I was shocked and surprised to see Mr. Devil come. Now this devil came and stood at my door. And what happened? I said, devil, you cannot come into my house. I've got Jesus in my house. But before I could say anything, he had already come in. He already came into my drawing room. I started fighting with him. He started fighting with me. Sometimes I am bashing him. Sometimes he is bashing me. Sometimes I am top of him. Sometimes he is on top of me. With great difficulty, whole day I am screaming, panicking. It's a great difficult fight going on constantly. Somehow, by evening, I am able to barely push him out of my door. When I push him with great difficulty out of my door, I locked the door and I remember, oh, I've got Jesus in my house. I come to Jesus. I said, Jesus, you're in my house. I gave you my best room. Why didn't you come and help me? You saw that I'm in trouble. You saw that enemy is trying to overpower me. I was crying. I was screaming. I was fighting. All day I was sweating. You should have come and helped me. What's the point of having you in my house if you can't help me? Jesus looked and smiled. And he said, son, you have given me first floor. You have just given me one room. Everything else is yours. I am in the place where you positioned me to be. What could I have done? You have given me guest room. I am staying in that guest room. I said, okay Lord, let's cut a deal. He said, what's the deal? I said, you can have 50% of my house. I will have 50% of my house. First floor all yours. Ground floor all mine. Now we are equal partner. Now your problem is my problem. My problem is your problem. We both have ownership of this house. It is yours. It is mine. So now you got to come and help me. Jesus smiled. I went back to my ground floor. In my bedroom slept. Things went on well. Next day early morning. Ting tong. Bell rang. I woke up from my bed. I thought maybe who, is, who could this be? So I went with 
with a little bit of fear in me and quietly just open a little bit of my door the moment i opened it little bit to my horror mr devil has come with a company of his friend he is having his carol party they all have come all his friends have come and one after another they started pushing me up and now it is not devil alone it's all the temptations it's all the bad habits it's all the old thinking patterns they all have jumped upon me and now i am being overpowered by them i'm screaming i'm being bashed out i'm bleeding i'm fallen down morning evening afternoon fight is going on i don't know what to do sometimes i overpower them but most of the time they overpower me i'm fainting i'm dying down there's no strength but with great difficulty at the end of the day one after another i was able to push them out of my door and then this battle kept on raging big time late at night somehow i managed to push the last enemy out closed the door got so tired drank water ran up to jesus said jesus open the door jesus opens up the door he said what happened son said jesus what's the point I gave you 50% partnership in my house. Can't you see that devil is troubling me even when you are in my house? Every day I'm fighting and I cannot win. I, this is not my life. This is not it's like since the time you have come in my house it's become more horrible mess. Why why don't you help me? How long will I carry on fighting with all of this? Every day they come and they they overpower me. Every day they come, every day they overpower me. Lord, how long will I continue to live like this a defeated life? Jesus looked at me and said, "Son, can I give you a deal?" I said, "All right, go on say." He said, "Let's exchange." I said, "What?" He said, "Do one thing. Make me the owner of this house. You come in the guest room and I will take the rest of the room." I said will that solve the problem he said you just relax man i will take care of the house i said all right the jesus came down he took all the ground floor he took everything and he said go sleep enjoy i went and i slept in the guest room i was thinking man this devil is troubling me i need to do something i was like struggling all night i could not sleep all night i've been thinking about how to defeat devil how can i overcome how can i do this and that and that and that all my thoughts there there is like a big storm going on in my mind but then what happened before i notice next day begin before i'm out of bed again the doorbell rings ding dong the moment doorbell rings i get up from my bed i leave my blanket i come out i come to the balcony only to see before i could go to the door jesus is walking towards the door now jesus comes towards the door and jesus i said jesus don't open the door devil is come jesus don't open the door he has come with many more I can look him from the balcony it's not alone he has brought so many more they're much stronger jesus don't open the door jesus looked at me smiled he said don't worry son and he opens the door wide the moment he opens the door wide devil with all of his army he comes there he looks at jesus and he bows down to him and he says sorry i knocked the wrong door and he leaves my friend I perceive in the spirit there are many people who are going in the same phase that I was struggling in. 
But this morning I want to encourage you Would you do what I did? Would you receive the offer that Jesus has? Saying make me the Lord of your life You enjoy I will deal with your enemies Would you allow him to be the Lord of your life? In our spiritual life There are many rooms We give the best room to Jesus But there are many rooms that we keep for ourselves This morning I want to encourage you Would you allow Jesus to be the Lord of each of your rooms? It needs a free man to set somebody else free You cannot preach boldly if you are bound in the same thing That you want to deliver somebody else with Sons of Scuba One day found a demon possessed man And said We rebuke you in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches The devil looked at them and said I know who Jesus is And I know about Paul Who are you? You cannot be effective If you are bound yourself This morning I believe God wants to deliver some of you If you are ashamed of acknowledging your need for Christ You will always be ashamed of proclaiming the gospel to somebody else If you are ashamed of acknowledging Jesus Your Lord publicly You will always be ashamed to acknowledge Jesus as Lord In public outside You cannot preach What you don't believe in yourself This morning My request to you is Would you say to Jesus Lord I am sick and tired Of wrestling every day with sin and temptation Even after I have given my life to Christ I am not really set free Can you be the Lord of my life This morning He will more gladly Exchange the roles He will become the Lord of your life And when he becomes the Lord of your life Your enemies will run Those who come against you will run from you Why? Because now they can recognize The Lordship of Jesus upon your life The Lordship of Jesus upon your life One day a centurion came to Jesus And said my servant is sick And he said I want you to speak your word And I know my servant will be healed Because as you are a man under authority So am I a man under authority To one I speak go and he goes And I say come here and he comes here Because I am a man under authority I am not independent of authority I am man under authority When you become a man or a woman under the authority of Jesus You can do what Jesus did Because he was a man under authority of Father But first thing first For those of you whom Holy Spirit is knocking on the doorbell You know it in your heart Would you care to stand up on your place and say Lord This morning may this be my time I want to give this moment to you If you know There are areas in your life That you are still struggling And the walk with God Is not perfected 
But this morning you want to be set free. Then it's your moment to stand up. Thank you sister. God bless you. I know there are many this morning here. Whom God has spoken. This is always a personal call my friend. This is always a personal thing. Coming to Jesus. Is always full of joy. Drawing near to him. Is not a shameful thing. Drawing near to him. Is a reward. In my distress, I called to you, Lord, and you heard my cry. In my distress, I called on you, Lord, and you heard my cry. This morning, for those of you who are really toiling with those temptations day in, day out, I can see some life really stuck in old habits and patterns. Morning, it's sad, and you hate when you commit those mistakes. You come back and say sorry to God, but then evening before you realize, you're back again in the same spot. And the life is like in a cycle of that sin. The chains and shackles are not giving you freedom to go. You're like Paul saying, things I want to do, I cannot do. Things I do not want to do, I carry on doing them. What a wretched man I am. But that same Paul, after a few chapters, says, those who want to follow Christ, follow me. What happened? What happened? The Lordship of Jesus got perfected in him. I'm glad that this morning you are choosing to do this because this is a beginning of having a victorious life. This is a beginning if you can rule your own life, let me put it in this way. If God can rule in you, he can rule through you. To the degree God can rule inside of you is the degree God can rule through you. This morning, do you really want God to rule inside of you? 30%? Lord, have that best guest room. That's for you. Or 50-50% partnership? Or it is 100% yours, Lord. Nothing of me. Everything yours. For those who want to make that commitment and say, Lord, everything yours can remain standing. Rest of you, please sit down. One more time, just in case if you did not get me right. For those of you who are saying, Lord, 100% your lordship in me. No longer I rule. Let me tell you, on the cross, Jesus defeated Satan. He did not defeat your and my will. That's why it is so strong even now. On the cross, Jesus defeated the enemies of my soul. But he did not defeat my mind. My carnal mind still troubles me. Still becomes a dam for the flow of the spirit to go through me. 
And this morning, the Lordship of Jesus will break every barrier that hinders the flow of Holy Spirit in me and through me. The presence of God is already hovering in this room. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now I want to give you this opportunity to speak to your father from deep down your heart. It is not the impressive word that impresses God. It is the cry of the heart that impresses God. Let it be a real cry from within your heart saying, Lord, I need your help. I want you. You know, there was a, there is something that Bible talks about born servant. Born servant is somebody who by his own will comes to his master and say, you know what? I don't want free will. I will depend on your will. And then that master takes him on his doorpost and pierces his ears and publicly declares, now he is my bond servant. And to a bond servant, the level of authority would be given that the master of the house would have. This morning, the authority comes to the bond servant. The man who is willing to let go of his will and take the will of God as his own will. The will of God is never a problem until it is in parallel to your will. The only when God said something that you don't want to do, it becomes a problem. Then we need confirmation, then we need prophetic words, then we need all of that. Is basically, we want to convince our own will. But this morning, get on one-on-one with Jesus. One touch of Jesus can do more than a million messages. You don't need one more preaching. What you need is one touch of Jesus. That is enough. Just close your eyes and get one-on-one with Jesus. Holy Spirit, Reveal Jesus to everyone. Thank you. Now open up your heart and begin to speak to him. Ask him, invite him to be the Lord of your life. Which means, I will no longer live, but Christ will live in me. This is what Paul says, I die daily. To my desires, to my will, to my ambitions. So that he who holds me can live in me. Make your simple prayer. Say, Lord, I offer my life to you, Lord. I offer it all to you, Lord Jesus. Okay, there's a simple principle that I will share. There are many things that we can talk about. But this morning I feel led of the Lord just to explain you to few things. Matthew chapter 14 verse 34 to 36. I want you to open with me. Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 verse 34 to 36. Simple scripture story. An incident that happens with Jesus and his disciples. What happens when they have landed or crossed over in the land of Gennesaret? Something happens. Who recognizes Jesus? 
It's there, there, there in the scripture. Who recognized this? All right. Yeah, say for example, if Jesus comes into Oxford with his disciples, who recognized Jesus? The people living in Oxford. Right? Jesus comes to a city and who recognizes Jesus? The citizens of that place. They recognize Jesus. Now understand something very funny about this scripture. When they recognize Jesus, what did they do? They became an evangelist. Did they go to Bible college? Did they learn any techniques? No. What did they do? They recognized Jesus. And when they recognized Jesus, automatically they became evangelists. You see? How simple it is? How do you become an evangelist? By recognizing Jesus. Can you turn to your neighbor and say in a British accent, just in case if they don't follow my accent, turn to your neighbor and say, if you recognize Jesus, you will become a good evangelist. Evangelists are the result of recognizing Jesus. Hallelujah. I love that definition. Evangelists are the results of recognizing Jesus. They are not a result of some specialist school of ministry. They are not the result of some special giftings. They are not the result of something unique about them. They are not the result of something special in them. They are the result of recognizing Jesus. And this morning my prayer is that God will open our understanding to recognize whom we call our Lord. Because if the church understands the one whom they call their Lord, their city will no longer be the same. Now the question is, when, they, when Jesus and his team came to that geographical territory called Gennesaret, did they perform anything there? Did they do anything there? How in the earth? People recognized him. Turn to your neighbor in British accent. Say, Jesus does not need anybody's approval. He did not need anybody's approval to reveal himself. Please understand, men of that geographical territory recognized Jesus. When they recognized Jesus, what they do, what did they do? They did not come to Jesus and started following him. What did they do when they recognized Jesus? Where did they go? They recognized Jesus. And they went every home. Every home crusade started. They went in their cities to every home. What did they do? They found, they rang the doorbell. Is anybody sick in this house? And the house people said, yeah, somebody is sick. So let's take him to Jesus. Is anybody bound in this house? Yeah, let's take him to Jesus. Is anybody, 
is, is tormented by evil spirit. Yeah, let's take him to Jesus. Because when a man of God recognizes Jesus, he will do the work of God. Hallelujah. It is very simple. People who fail to evangelize are the people who fail to, to understand Jesus. If you have difficulty in sharing about Jesus, you have difficulty understanding your own Lord. Because you do not understand who you belong to, you are so timid in talking about Him. But if you understand, the one whom you belong is the Creator. The one whom you belong is the Lord of heaven and earth. The one whom you belong, the one who calls you here his own. One who is the head of the church is not a Tom, Dick, Harry. He is not one among many gods. He is the God. And there is no one like him. Every knee in heaven, on earth and underneath bows to his Lordship. That's whom we are talking about. How can I be like this when it comes to talking about Jesus you know what Jesus is a lion and a lamb right when it comes to suffering he becomes a lamb when it comes to preaching he becomes a lion but for church for some reason when it comes to suffering if some believer says something I become a lion when it comes to fight and argument I become a lion but when it comes to preach the gospel, I become a lamb. Ready to be slaughtered. Quiet. No, we got role, but it, we are acting it on different timings. We need to switch over. The men of Gennesaret recognized Jesus. As a result of their recognition, they went on talking about Jesus. You know what's beautiful about it? They never came to Jesus and said, Jesus... You know what? We recognize you. You are amazing. You are God sent. You are the prophet for this time. Or you are Messiah for this time. We have got all this. Now we know about it. Would you lay your hand and send us? Would you lay your hand and prophesy over us? Fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us? I mean, how, would, how it would be amazing that Jesus actually, is, all those men of God recognize they all came. Jesus lays his hands on them. And then they all go. They are properly sent. Now they have some confidence because Jesus has laid hands on them. Nothing of that sort happens. But is their ministry effective? Yes? Yes? Great. <laughs> See, you find one thing. The effectiveness of gospel is in the gospel. Please understand this. It's like a medicine. You have a stomachache. You take the medicine, take that pill in. The effectiveness of that medicine is in that medicine. When it goes in, it will do its job. You're getting it? When gospel is proclaimed, it will do its job. Think about it in this way. If you have a knife and a banana, whether banana falls on knife or a knife falls on banana, who will be cut? banana name of Jesus is high above every other name 
Jesus said, I am the chief cornerstone. If I fall on something, it will be crushed. Or if that thing falls on me, it will be crushed. Please know your Jesus. If you know your Jesus, you will represent him well. One day, a small boy came to a battlefield. His agenda to come to a battlefield was just to know the well-being of his brothers. But then he heard a Philistine stand and defile the armies of God. And this young boy said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine defiling the armies of the living God? Saul could not do. He was ordained. He was laid. He was made the king. He was anointed by the prophet. There were all amazing credentials this man had. But with all of his credentials and degrees, he was sitting. Why? He did not know the God of Israel. But a shepherd boy knew the God of Israel. And for that, he said, I don't need your armor. He was giving him his sword. He was giving him his armor. He was giving him all the techniques of winning the battle. He said, you keep your experience and techniques. I cannot walk with it. I will go in the name of the Lord. God who gave me victory over a bear and a lion will give me victory over this. Amen? Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If my life is not doing exploit, it is not because I did not get good exposure. It is because I failed to recognize Jesus. There are too many people who just sit down blaming on their circumstances. If blaming circumstances worked, it would have worked for David. It would have worked for Joseph. It would have worked for Daniel. It would have worked for that little daughter in the house of Naaman, the leper. But they all understood the power of knowing their God. And in their most odd situation, they declared. Isn't it amazing? People, those who know their God, shall be strong. Nothing can shake them. One day, to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, there was a challenge thrown. The challenge was, if you don't bow down to my statue, you will be thrown into a fiery furnace. They say, oh king. I love their dialogue. Oh king, we know our God. We know he is able to save us. Even if he doesn't save us, don't worry, we are not going to bow down to you. What happened? You are a slave man. Your kingdom is defeated. Your God is not that powerful. Your kingdom is already defeated. There are already enormous problems in your life. He said, oh king, we know our God. People, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The men of Gennesaret, they begin to know Jesus. As a result, before disciples, they begin to do the work of disciples. They superseded the acts of apostle. It started in Gennesaret. Hallelujah. It is beautiful that they were just a man of common people. Nothing great about them. They were not Pharisees. They were not Sadducees. They were not the, the you know, scholars. They were not people with big credentials. They were simple people who recognized Jesus. And when they recognized Jesus, they turned and became evangelists. Look at what they did. Two things I'll share with you. Number one, they went in all the surrounding region and proclaimed about Jesus Christ. Right? 
first of all they did not come to jesus to ask him lord should we go and do this can i go and talk about you did they take jesus approval to talk about him no was jesus offended that they went and spoke about him without taking his approval huh in british accent tell your neighbor when you preach the gospel god can never get offended at you god will never be offended at you to talk about jesus people will be don't worry about them <laughs> but look at this people it tells me it gives me confidence to know that i don't need god's approval to preach the gospel why to waste time fasting and praying asking should i go and preach <laughs> a religious spirit will give you time to pray and do nothing about it honestly i can tell you about what religious spirit does why because my country is a religious country there are holy men and women of god sitting on mountain with one hand up one leg up sitting there praying all the time doing nothing why they are bound by a religious spirit my friends i want you to know this if you recognize jesus you cannot sit because jesus goes with the people who go he never sits with the people who sit at one place becoming christian is not warming the chair becoming christian is being in the action performing the works of god hallelujah it is a life of excitement it is a life of adventure it is a life of seeing every day brand new miracles if in your life if any time you come and you always refer back 5 years back this happened 10 years back this happened in 1975 that happened so what happened after that some people come to me and say brother please pray for me for a fresh anointing my first question what happened to the old one <laughs> you become stale or what you need a fresh anointing what happened to the old one No 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 we read in the scripture David yeah David messed up with his first anointing that's why he wanted a fresh one <laughs> My friend I want you to understand <laughs> I want you to understand serving Jesus is fun when you know him When you know him it's easy there's no pressure Number one thing they did not seek the approval of Jesus to go and talk about him Number two they came and begged him that they might only touch the helm of his garment hmm? first of all they are adding workload to jesus without his permission isn't it strange if you want somebody to do something for you you're going to take approval from them shall i do it's not one man two man it's like whole city gathered my christ will never be offended at any opportunity that comes to him to wipe away the tears of people that's our christ recognize that christ men of genesareth recognized that christ and when they recognized their life was never the same again my prayer is that god will help us recognize him if you read into the scripture you'll find something very very fascinating in in the bible that that jesus does 
I'll just give you some quotes. You can study it for your own self. If you read John chapter 1 verse 29 onwards, you will find John the Baptist looks at Jesus and he recognizes Jesus as the Lamb of God. Now this is before Jesus starts his public ministry. More fascinating things happen. Disciples recognize in John chapter 1 verse 41, Andrew went to Simon, who later on becomes Peter. Andrew is Peter's brother. He goes to Simon and says, Simon, we have found the Messiah. How do you know he is Messiah? He has not healed anybody. He has not preached a single message. How do you know he is Messiah? It becomes more interesting. Philip founds Nathaniel. And he goes and says in verse 45 and 46 of John chapter 1, Philip goes to Nathaniel and he says, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now look at the accuracy of identifying Jesus. Philip goes to Nathaniel. This is all happening before Jesus even telling them, follow me. This is all happening before Jesus performing even the first miracle. They look at Jesus and now Philip says to Nathaniel, Hey Nathaniel, you know what? I have found someone. He said, who have you found? I have found the one about whom prophets in the Old Testament wrote. All the books of the Old Testament speaks. Psalm speaks about him. I have found him. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, son of Joseph. He is from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out from Nazareth? He says, come and see. My question is, if New Testament was not in our hands, would we recognize Jesus just reading the Old Testament? They recognized him. There is something about recognizing Jesus. They were not just disciples. You know, it's a wrong philosophy. When people believe they were illiterate, untrained, unschooled. These were some scribes and during those days, the religious fanatic leader, because of jealousy, are saying this for them. But the fact is, these guys knew more in the scripture than any Pharisees. They recognized Jesus even before he started his ministry. They were prophetic nuts of that time. They were expecting Jesus to be revealed in this time. They knew who Jesus was. They studied scripture day in and day out. No wonder they were not just wishy-washy believers. They were people expecting Jesus. No wonder they were disciples of John the Baptist. They were with John. And the moment they see Jesus come in, they started following Jesus. They left John. My friends, it is important to understand that aspect. Peter says, Thou art the Christ. And then God, and then Jesus says, Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, Father can reveal Jesus to us. Amen? My prayer is that Father will open our understanding. Then there is this verse that Bible talks about. It is in Luke chapter 18 when you read, Bible says, that Jesus opened their understanding in the scriptures that they might understand him. Much we don't see happen through church is because we don't understand this much. Last week when I came, I think Steve was referring to this from this pulpit and he was saying about that there was some place where 
where they didn't have Bibles or they didn't have nothing and they only had some pages of Acts of Apostle. And people just read Acts of Apostle and their life exactly started representing Acts of Apostle. My friends, let me tell you, theology is good only if it turns you more like Jesus. If it is not making you act like Jesus, throw that philosophy, throw that theology, it is not kingdom of God. This morning, I want to challenge you to know Jesus. Men of that place recognized Jesus, became the greatest evangelist. Evangelists are born in recognizing Jesus. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishes of men. You know what? Signs, wonders and miracles They just happen you, you know why? Because you find a needy one And you know Jesus who can supply the need You connect both of them And leave it You just become a catalyst Because of you Jesus shows up Their need They show up You connect them to Jesus And the job is done You and I in our strength can do nothing but greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Amen? This morning I want to ask you, do you want to live a life of celebration? Do you want to live a life of adventure? Do you want to say, oh God, I'm not just happy reading the history, I want to create a history. Do you want to say, Lord, here I am, send me, oh God. God will only go with people who go. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He never said, sit down. The problem is, we never want to go, but we want to see the results. My friends, if you begin to do what disciples did, you will get what disciples got. They preached the gospel wherever they went. When threatening came, they prayed, Lord, behold their threatening, but in the name of thy holy child, Jesus, release your strength to us, O God. And in the name of Jesus, may signs, wonders, and miracles happen. And God confirmed their preaching. Amen. Every day in India, whenever I stand to preach the gospel, I see signs, wonders, and miracles happen. This morning I want to tell you, I don't do anything different than what these men in Gennesaret did. All I do is, I find a needy one and I tell him, I know someone who can meet your need. His name is Jesus. And then gospel happens. Somebody asked Renard Bonke and said, Renard Bonke, why do you say gospel is good news? It is 2000 years old. It is history. News is current event. What happens now is the news. If you refer 2,000 years ago that Jesus died on the cross, it is not news. It is just history. Why do you say it news, news, news all the time, good news? Renard Bonke says, here is the reason that's why I say it is good news. He says, when I begin to preach the gospel, the power of God that impacted that life 2,000 years ago, supernaturally begins to impact the life who are listening to my preaching. And all of a sudden, they begin to receive the healing. All of a sudden, they receive their miracle. And now, it happens. And because it happens, it becomes good news. Hallelujah. My friends, good news is never good news if nobody speaks it. Turn to your neighbor in British accent and say, Proclaim Jesus if you know him. 
Set your heart to know Him. Let's close our eyes and ask Lord, Lord, would you reveal Jesus to us? Would you reveal Jesus to us, Lord?